What am I gonna do? I think about sex all the time. Sex, help. Four times five is 30. Five times six is 32. Naked girls, naked women. Oh, stop me. God, Xander, is that all you think about? You know, as a therapist, I see the pain that so many couples go through because they feel like they're failures at sex. I mean, they may joke about it and pretend that things are going well in their life sexually and that if only with there were a bed right there, they would jump into it. But privately, the husband and the wife or the partners just feel like it's it's fallen apart for them. How do you set realistic expectations for what a healthy sexual life is like? With me to discuss this is Dr. Barry McCarthy, who is a certified marital and sex therapist, and with his wife, Emily. He's co-authored eight books on relationships and sexuality, including Rekindling Desire. Dr. McCarthy, welcome to the show. I'm very glad to be here and looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, it's so great to have you on again. Think of a couple, a typical couple, let's say Annie and Frank. They they feel like they're failures and they, they can joke about sex, but in their private lives, they feel like they only have good sex on occasion and they don't mutually orgasm and sometimes their encounters are total duds mm-hmm. and they they decide to go to a sex therapist such as yourself to figure out how they can reach orgasm together like they see in the movies so they can have a dynamite sex life the, the, the one they've always dreamed about what advice would you give them well, the first thing I would say to them is that you should enjoy the movies as fiction. It has nothing to do with you or any other real-life couples. Movies are never about marital sex. It's always about premarital affairs or extramarital affairs. And the sexual performance is always totally perfect in the uh, movies. The reality is if you all have movie-quality sex once a month, you're doing much, much better than most people. The reality of most couples' sexual relationship is that they don't simultaneously orgasm. And when they do, they find it often more of a disappointment than a big turn-on. That um, um, in about 50% of most couples' sexual interactions, that it really is enjoyable in terms of desire, arousal, and orgasm for both of them. Remember, that's only 50%. Mm-hmm. Very much more commonly, uh, one person, and usually the man, will like it, enjoy it more than the other. And some of the time, it'll be a kind of a okay but not great experience. But the most important thing that for couples to hear and understand is that among normal, healthy, married couples, 5 to 15% of their sexual encounters are dissatisfying or dysfunctional. And, and they shouldn't put themselves down or feel like failures at all, that that's a normal expectation. So it shouldn't ruin the day for them, and they shouldn't walk around thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm not woman enough for Frank, you know, I don't have these wild and crazy orgasms, or Frank might be thinking this was such a bad experience because I lost my erection, and, you know, Annie is probably going to look at that hunk of a guy that she works with a little, you know, a little more longingly, and they, they make it into almost a self-esteem issue. Can you tell me a little bit it, more it about that? It absolutely does, and that rather than seeing sexuality as something which is a positive part of your life, which bonds you as a couple, which energizes your relationship, sex becomes this big pass-fail test, and you're always feeling you're not good enough 
my favorite of all the unrealistic uh, myths in our culture is that three out of four men feel that their penis is smaller than average. It doesn't make any sense. It can't be possible. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, but they do. Or, the, or women who say, I've got to be like in the magazine, or I've got to be like males. I've got to have an orgasm every time we have sex, and if we don't, there's something wrong with me. Right. Or I've got to be multi-orgasmic. I have to have um, G-spot orgasms, or I have to have two-hour orgasms. Right. All of those things emphasize sexual performance. And the truth about sex is that sex is essentially sharing pleasure. It's not about performing. So if they're, if they're making love with one another and they're thinking, how am I doing now? I wonder what this looks like. And uh, is my hair pretty enough? Or does she like my cologne? Am I too hairy? Do I smell under the armpits? Then what does that do to their uh, the pleasure? Well, what it does is it it's a really distracts. Sex is not a spectator sport. Sexuality is about sharing comfort, sharing pleasure, sharing arousal, sharing orgasm. And it isn't like the Olympics where at the end you then get a score. Our goal, in, right. In six, fact, six, that's six, one six, of the six. major sexual turnoffs is where the man turns to the woman and says, how good was it for you? Did you have an orgasm? Or the woman says, you know, am I as good as that woman in the movie or in the uh, TV program? Isn't that fascinating? It's a real, it's a, it's a shame. It really takes away from rather the pleasure. than... pleasure. So it, it focuses it on performance rather than pleasure if you're looking to grade your, uh, your sexual escapade with one another. And I think also one of the things that I tell couples is to develop your own unique couple sexual style. What people used to believe is that a sexual style had to be the most intimate, the most erotic possible. And that in fact, again, people wind up feeling inadequate and intimidated. What the name of the game with couples is to find a comfortable, mutually comfortable level of intimacy that allows you to feel connected and attached with each other, but also allows you to still look at your spouse in an erotic way. So often, these soulmate marriages, which people are writing and talking about so much, wind up having major sexual problems because there's too much intimacy. You're not really able to talk and to initiate or you wind up de-eroticizing your spouse, which is, a, again, a real poison. Right. You had mentioned that, um, and I'm all for soulmate relationships, um, so we may have different definitions there, but um, you talked about uh, typically the husband you know, wants sex more frequently than the woman. I know there are many cases where that's reversed, but it's more normal for that to be the case. And that if the husband pressures the wife too much, it actually has the effect of de-eroticizing her. Absolutely. And she feels, instead of it something that joins them, she feels pressured or coerced and, and um, feels 
that it becomes a power struggle. When sex becomes a power struggle, it's one of the things that really poisons a healthy sexual And life. then the wife will avoid it or the husband will avoid it, and then you get into the avoidance strategy, and then they need a sex therapist right. or they need to read one of your books, Dr. Barry McCarthy, with his wife Emily, has written Rekindling Desire for those of you listening and may want, who may want the book. Um, in terms of how to get in, how to get one of your books, how would people go about finding out more about you or your all of the books that you've written? Well, I suggest um, going either to the bookstore or to uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, our books are listed there. Uh, the most relevant. Uh, is the Rekindling Desire book. And the other one I think that's really quite relevant is a prevention book called Getting It Right the First Time, which talks about developing a healthy sexual relationship in the first two years of marriage. Actually, one of the things that's been interesting is that I, I often wind up autographing those books to couples who are about to get married in terms of thinking about starting it off correctly. What a lovely gift. What a lovely wedding gift. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Barry McCarthy. Okay, I enjoyed it. And I wish you some shared pleasure this week with your loved one. And if you don't have a loved one, I hope you have some success in finding one. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on The Rational Basis of Happiness. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, The Serious Romance Guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. Looks aren't everything, but they do matter. Of course, avoid comparing yourself unfavorably to fashion models. Enjoy doing the best with what you've got. Weight, physical fitness, grooming, how we dress, and how we carry ourselves are within our control. Our looks convey our attitude toward ourselves. You have only one body for life, so you might as well take good care of it. Exercising regularly, eating well, and dressing nicely reflect how you feel about yourself and your life. If you pay attention to your health and appearance, you'll like yourself more, and you'll have more aesthetic appeal to others. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.